what's one of the quickest ways to make hundreds of millions of dollars? Is faking suicide ever the right call? Today, we're going to be talking about Samuel Israel III, mastermind of one of the biggest Ponzi schemes in history. Join us today as we find out one of the ways to not make money on this week's episode of Well, That's Horrible. Welcome back, everyone, to this week's installment of Well, That's Horrible. I am Isray, and this is... Savart? I don't know. I don't know Pig Latin. Avistray. Savart, Pig oh, Avistray? Avistray. Savart is Travis backwards. Oh. So, yeah. Mine is Asir. <laughs> backwards. We like to tell horrible true stories and let you sick voyeurs eavesdrop on our conversation. Um, For those of you that are watching on YouTube, you may notice that uh, I am not dressed the way that I normally am. Um, uh, I'm kind of (laughs) naked. Now now will be the true test of what people think of my appearance, uh, because we'll see if our YouTube watch goes up or down based off of people being curious about what I look like naked. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> we'll have one not? view and it's just you watching it on a loop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't look at my Google search history. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I have a sick family today. And uh, so I have been home taking care of them. We usually do this right after work, which is why we look so dapper most of the time. Um, but today I am looking schlubby and Travis is the only dapper one. Um, so to start things off, we wanted to give a shout out to World's True Crime. Uh, they're just a great true crime podcast and, uh, you should really, really check them out. World's True Crime? That's right. Uh, also wanted to let everyone know that our Patreon is up and running so you can sign up for bonus episodes and, uh, ad-free episodes, Um, That will actually matter once we get big enough to start having ads. Right now, we don't. Um, But eventually, (laughs) we will hopefully start having ads. And uh, and so part of that Patreon membership is that you'll be able to uh, join and listen ad-free to those episodes and get bonus episodes as well. There are a few different tiers of of what you can join up for. Um, But first, let's dive in to life's important questions. Questions. You know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. Unprofessional opinion. All right, Travis, are you ready? So ready. Okay, let's hit it. What is the grossest food you ever had to eat to be polite? Well, I think the grossest... I don't know if it was just one food, but the grossest meal. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was this kind of like super healthy vegan restaurant that was very self, like not. It was there like a year and a half. It didn't last very long. Okay. Uh, and there's this girl that I, you know, I didn't really have a crush on her, but you know, mm-hmm. when I was young. I was like thirteen, and yeah. it was a girl. Yeah. Um, and she told me she was going there for dinner with her family. Mm-hmm. So. I'm like, oh, I'm going to go. I have an allowance money. I'm going to go there for dinner. Right. So I go to this place and I go there for dinner and I had no idea what anything was. And I'm like, 
kind of shocked. And then <laughs> she sees me and she like says hi. And then uh-huh. her mom is like, oh, come join this family meal with us. Oh, no. I was like, oh, <laughs> I did not want this. I just wanted to be like, oh, hey, I also eat out at restaurants. <laughs> but no, she had me join the entire family meal, um, and I did not know this family. This was my first time meeting uh, this girl's family, and like the second time I'd hung out with this girl ever. And then it's like this super healthy, like quinoa, mm-hmm. like just not what you want to eat when you're 13. Right. And, uh, I just ordered whatever it was. I don't even. I still to this day have no idea what I ordered. Just I just close ordered your eyes something. And yeah, I, I wanted to be fancy, so I'm like, oh, I'm an adult. I'll order this, <laughs> and it was disgusting. Oh. I have no idea. It it was definitely like had quinoa in it. Okay, uh, I can tell you that, which I usually don't mind right. quinoa, but right. it also was like super acidic. It was oh. supposed to be like the super healthy meal, and mm-hmm. it legit is the I, I've. On a dare, have ate a roasted pig's eyeball, and I would still rather eat that over this meal. That's horrifying. Well, and the worst part, too, is when you're 13, in my opinion, that's about the worst age for starting to interact with the opposite sex because mm-hmm. you've figured out that they exist. Right. <laughs> and you're you're pretty excited about that fact, but still have zero idea how to talk to them. Right. So, so that really was the most awkward opportunity for you to be it able to talk to that It was so girl. awkward. I remember <laughs> one of the lines I used is I was like, I don't have the deepest voice. Right. So I was like, oh, usually my voice is this deep, but I'm worried about my voice cracking. So so I talk like this and like did my normal voice. Nice. And like So in other words, your self-deprecating humor started very young. Yeah. Okay. And it like I remember like she didn't laugh at all. And she was like, <laughs> Oh, that's cool. And I was like, No, you're supposed to supposed to laugh. <laughs> and uh yeah, it was like the most awkward afternoon of my life. <laughs> and I had to choke down that entire meal. And cause like she's like Oh, and I'll pay for your meal. Like, nice lady. I mean, right. don't get me wrong. Yeah. This was super nice of her. She's obviously a good human being. Okay. But it was the most awkward moment yep. Yep. of yep. my yep. life at that point. Mm-hmm. So I was, I mean, it wasn't just like, it was aunts and uncles and like, it was a table of like It was a family seven, reunion yeah. that you got invited to. Yeah. Seven adults I didn't know and this one girl that <laughs> I was like, just like trying to show off to yep. a little bit. Yep. Yeah, it was definitely the most awkward I've Trying ever Trying to figure felt. out how to flex as grossest. you're eating a bowl of quinoa. Yeah, like oh. vinegar-soaked quinoa. And it was like apple cider vinegar or something. Oh. I don't know. That sounds it sounds disgusting. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm sure if I would have actually took the time to read what it was, I would have been like, no, that sounds gross as fuck. Mm-hmm. Like, but no, I was like, no. Yep. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just feel fancy. <laughs> I'm going to be fancy right now. See, mine was... Uh, for those of you that don't know me, my little sister is Filipino. So... You're not? I'm not. No. no. I, I know that I appear Filipino both in height and skin tone, but uh, I'm not. She had just come over, and uh, we were going to go out, and uh, there was a Filipino dinner going on mm. in town. And uh, so we all go to this Filipino dinner, and it was a bunch of Filipino people making their favorite dishes and all getting together. Um, so that was super cool. We went over delicious food everywhere. It was all fantastic. And I come across this one and it's soup. And, uh, I asked what it was and the lady goes, oh, it's chocolate soup. (laughs) I said, what? She said, it's chocolate soup. 
<laughs> so there's chocolate in this soup? It's not, it, like, what? why is there chocolate in here? And she goes, no, it's not actually chocolate soup. We just call it that because anyone who hasn't had it before wouldn't eat it if they knew what it was called. <laughs> so in other words, I don't want to know what's in here. And she said, you try it, and then I'll tell you what's in it. Mm. <sighs> okay, let's do this. So I get a bowl. I take a couple spoonfuls. Not great. Decided not to have any more. And uh, again, for those of you that don't know, I am uh, super adventurous when it comes to food. Like, I will try any food you put in front of me, I will try it at least once just to see if I like it. Try to get everybody around you. Absolutely. To do it. I mean, that's why that century egg, you got yep. me to eat that. Yep. Some crickets. Mm-hmm. I think both ranch and pizza flavored. Mealworms. Uh, mealworms. Yep. Uh, Grasshoppers. Yeah, we, grasshoppers. We, you had me eat the do the one chip challenge, which almost <laughs> killed me <laughs> yeah. because uh, I did it forgetting that I had an ulcer. And like, I, I, I mean, I eventually did go to the ER mm-hmm. with intestinal trauma. Yep. So like, I'm still kind of holding you accountable, like <laughs> just a little bit in my brain. I'm That's like, oh, I didn't take that one chip challenge. So I almost the, die. Uh, the the story today is a little shorter, so I'm going to uh, digress just a little bit. Uh, so, uh, Travis and I did the one chip challenge and this was probably about a year ago mm-hmm. or so. And, uh, uh, the one chip challenge, there's this chip that they rate spiciness by Scoville units. So a bell pepper is zero Scoville units. Um, a jalapeno is like 9,000 Scoville units. Uh, and this chip is 3 million Scoville units. Just keep that in mind. The hottest chip in the world, yeah. The hottest chip in the world. And the goal is to uh, be able to eat the chip and wait for at least an hour to eat or drink anything. And uh, so I get the... uh, (laughs) This is where it gets a little uh, controversial because uh, uh, I manage a department... (laughs) <laughs> and all of the people that wound up eating this chip, I manage. Uh, so Just using your power to force us to eat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was voluntary, though, I swear. Um, and uh, so we all try it. And uh, one, of, one of my coworkers, uh, she um, couldn't, couldn't hack it and dove into a cup of yogurt mm. that turned out to be sour, but she had half of it down by the time she yeah. figured it out. It was, it was, it was it been in the refrigerator <laughs> at work, the communal refrigerator yeah. at work for a bit. Yep. Like it, it was, was not bad. a little while. And then, uh, after that, so I'm struggling and I am not good at reading directions. It just, it gets in the way of living life, you know? <laughs> and uh, turns out that the directions said you were supposed to pregame with some food and milk. Mm-hmm. And we did this at about nine o'clock in the morning and none of us had eaten breakfast yet. So uh, we have this just ball of lava sitting in our stomachs. And uh, one one of the guys... He winds up going to the bathroom quickly, (laughs) and he comes back, and he said, Reese, I threw up carrots, (laughs) and now they're in my nose. Carrots, Reese? (laughs) Almost shaking with rage. And it was me and one other girl that were trying to get to an hour, because we'd all put a little bit of money into a pot to try to make it an hour. 
And uh, around about 45 minutes, I start to cramp up and it, it gets bad. I'm sweating. Um, oh, so, and during this time, you're training two new hires. Yes, that is correct. There were you two were, new hires. <laughs> you did this yeah, right I was, before. You were training new hires. <laughs> this was their first day on the job. Yep, yep. And I'm almost <laughs> dying. And uh, so I, I go off to the bathroom, and I can't figure out if I need to puke or shit. It's going to be one of those, and it's going to be violent. Uh, so I knew that I shouldn't sit on the toilet, uh, because I didn't know what was going to happen. So I just, uh, stood next to it and I'm sitting there and I'm feeling worse and worse and I'm getting the chills. And, uh, so I, I take my hand to wipe the sweat off my forehead and, oh, that feels so good. So I squat down on the floor and I'm sitting there rubbing my hands across my forehead and just, oh, it's so nice and cool. And then I'm almost to the point where I'm going to puke. And I want to maintain. So I'm sitting there just going. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, because it was a whole body. like. Uh, yep. It was so bad. But to make it worse. After doing that for a couple minutes, I sit there and I hear awkward shuffling from the urinal next to me. <laughs> so all someone knows in that public bathroom is that they hear some dude apparently fighting for his life <laughs> in the bathroom stall. Uh, so all that being said, I will never, never do that again. But uh, back, you guys are really the victim of my ADHD today because I'm just bouncing all over the I place. I mean, no, I have to get this out there, though. Yeah. That that chip uh-huh. is legit disgusting flavored. Like, Oh, yeah. It does they not need taste to good. Do, the consistency is trash. Yep. The flavor is beyond horrible. Yep. Like, at least make, make it taste good. Mm-hmm. So, like, as I'm sitting there and suffering, I'm yep. not like, oh, that was the grossest thing I've ever put in my mouth, yep. to be polite. Mm-hmm. To, I didn't want to call you out like that. but <laughs> 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 Or an egg. But yeah, lots of stuff. No but, one died. Uh, no one died. Yeah, it was disgusting. Like it was legit not good. Yeah, it was it was really bad. Um and uh so so the Filipino dinner. Um <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yep, like I said, ADHD. Uh <laughs> so we were at the Filipino dinner and um I finally found out it was blood soup. Oh. And the little blobs that I'd been eating were clotted blood <laughs> that was in the soup. And That's gnarly. No, I I will never eat that again. Not not a single time. Um, <laughs> no, that does not sound good. I, I don't like the way, like the irony, like I don't like liver unless it's like yeah. prepared like super good. But right. like any of that like irony blood taste, it's yep. just not appetizing at it's all. It's bad. It's bad. Well... Do you think we should dive in? Oh, head first. Head first. Let's do it. All aboard! All right. Today's story is a little shorter, but super interesting and one I was not familiar with. Samuel Israel III is born in 1959 to what would eventually become a very wealthy family. But before I dive in too deep into his life, I want to give you a little background on what was going on with his family and their rise to wealth. 
Beginning in 1956, if you're paying attention, that's three years before Samuel was born, the Israel family begins to invest into purchasing drugstores in Ohio, eventually getting to 11. In 1976, they merge with People's Drug Stores, eventually getting the entire company to holding the place of the fifth largest drugstore chain in the U.S., by the 1970s, the Israel's company was based in New York and operated 19 offices on five different continents. In the 70s and 80s, the family mingles with the social cream of the crop in New York. They spend time with the CEO of Citigroup, the CEO of CBS, and the chairman of the Federal Reserve, as well as, of course, Nick Nolte. <laughs> Don't waste your time investing in all this shit. When I have two nickels to rub together, <laughs> I put them right up the old prison snatch. Sounds like a hailstorm on a porcelain factory every time I take a shit. <laughs> In the 70s as well, the Israel's company get <laughs> The Israel's company gets into the business of moving commodities such as coffee, uh, coffee beans, sugar, rubber, cocoa, grain, steel, gold, and cocaine. In 1980, that wasn't actually true. In 1981, <laughs> they're acquired. I just let it pass. I was like, okay. It was I mean, the sure. 80s. Yeah. Like, Everybody was doing coke back everyone then. Everyone was doing coke and dealing coke. Uh, in 1981, they're acquired by Donaldson, Lufkin, and Generate. I have no idea who that company is, uh, which was apparently the seventh largest publicly held securities house on Wall Street at the time. The deal was valued at $42 million. So that's the background on the Israel family. I just kind of wanted to give everyone the backstory of the business-minded people that Samuel came from. I wasn't able to find a ton of information about his childhood, but Israel and his family moved from Louisiana to New York when Israel is 16. His friends growing up say that he tends to lie a lot, but mostly about mundane things like girls and stuff like that. He attends a fairly prestigious high school. However, after graduating, instead of going to college, he instead opts to jump right into the workforce. Sam is offered a job on Wall Street at 19 and dives in headfirst. Yeah, as one does. Yeah. You know, at 19, I'm just going to go work on Wall Street. Thanks. Thanks, Dad. It really was the family he came from because it was assumed that they had all gone to the same college in that area. So it was really assumed that he was going to go from that um, prep school to college and then into the family business. But he was given an opportunity at one of the hedge funds at 19 to work on Wall Street. Right. He's like, hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> fuck. Yeah. Um, he claims that every single hedge fund was committing fraud, which they would call, quote, a competitive edge. <laughs> I mean, they probably were. I, I believe that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. There are a lot There's of no things doubt. that this dude said that I don't believe. I think we're just flat out lies. That I I bet was actually true. Yeah, he had he didn't know. Right. Like he had no insider information or anything. But I mean he was right. I mean, like a broken clock is right twice a day. Exactly. Like, Unless it's digital. Right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that ages me. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> it does. <laughs> we were, Fucking wait, what is he talking about? It just goes black or it just flashes twelve. Like <laughs> 
Uh, he's really loving the life that any young business person would want. By 24, he's making two hundred and fifty to $300,000 a year. I did some quick research, and that's the equivalent of 900000 to a million in today's money. So 24, and he's making about a million dollars a year. Yeah, that's fucking <laughs> lovely. He's, uh, he's also getting rides to work in a helicopter with his boss. I don't want to... I mean, nepotism, man. Uh-huh. It's a real thing. Yeah. It's a boys club. Well, well, and nepotism is with family, isn't it? I don't know. I mean... I think it... But he, anyway, he got the like, job from his connections, club. his family's connections. Mm-hmm. For sure. Because nobody's hiring any 19-year-old off the street. Like, even if they go to a good high school, like, yeah. fuck, fuck out of here. Right. Fine. At 19. 19. <laughs> Uh, I don't want to say that I would have made some stupid mistakes if I was a 24-year-old kid making that kind of money. Oh, I'd, yeah. But I definitely would have made some stupid mistakes. Just blackjack and hookers. I'm like, <laughs> that's it. It's the, the 80s, you know, there's so much in a, cooking. in a row that you've, uh, that you've mentioned that, that desire. And I, I know where it's from, but I think eventually you're going to have to open up a business. <laughs> right. Blackjack and hookers. Travis's Blackjack and Hookers Emporium. <laughs> Emporium? That's <laughs> all right. I picture a lot of shelves. <laughs> <laughs> In 1996, Sam sets out on his own and starts Bayou Group Hedge Fund. He manages to get $300 million in startup investments to get the ball rolling. Sam hires another investor to join him, James Marquez. Now, Marquez has experience, and Sam figures that's exactly what he needs. What wasn't ideal was the fact that Marquez had a pretty high-profile failure at another hedge fund right before this. <laughs> but Sam decides that this isn't concerning enough to warrant not hiring Marquez. Sam claims that their first year or two were great, uh, but the stats kind of say otherwise. <laughs> For year one, Bayou reports a 12% loss on their investments. I had no idea how that stacked up in the 90s, so I checked, and the average hedge fund uh, return that year was 18%. So they had a 12% loss, and the average hedge fund was an 18% increase. (laughs) So we're talking like 30% lower performance than the average. That's really, and that's what they reported. So chances are it was way worse than that, even. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. Uh, Yep. So they they were already tanking. This is where we get into the Ponzi scheme part of it. Now, you uneducated swine may not know exactly what a Ponzi scheme is. Bunch of morons. Uh, I want you to know in every fiber of your being that you're stupid and you should feel bad. I want to look directly into the camera. You should feel bad. Uh, So... I honestly didn't actually know what a Ponzi scheme was until recently. So uh, (laughs) let's learn what they are so we can be not idiots together. In its shortest definition, a Ponzi scheme is a form of fraud that lures investors and pays profits to earlier investors with funds from more recent investors. Now, you may also be asking yourself what exactly the difference is between a Ponzi scheme and a pyramid scheme. Uh, I was especially curious about this because I know how many people uh, I'm familiar with that have gotten wrapped up into MLM companies and lost tons of money. Uh, The essential difference between the two forms of fraud is that a Ponzi scheme generally only requires investment in something from its victims with promised returns at a later date. 
Pyramid schemes, however, usually offer a victim the opportunity to make money by recruiting more people into the scam. So Sam thinks this concept sounds brilliant. He contracts with a local garment distributor in New York and is able to start a company selling uh, those leg warmers that you see in 90s workout videos. His biggest problem at this point (laughs) is establishing distribution. Sam starts to bring more people on to sell these leg warmers. Now, with the way the pay structure was set up, he wouldn't really start to make money at the beginning. But once he got a couple hundred new recruits under him, uh, that's when he really started to see some returns. Uh, no, actually. Uh, Sam's going after the boss babes? Yep, the, all the boss babes. Boss babes. Boss babes. Yes, Queen. <laughs> he starts to charm uh, new investors and then uses money from their investments to give payouts to earlier investors telling them about all the amazing returns they've gotten. The problem is, eventually, that catches up to you. Uh, You'd think, yeah. You'd think. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, maybe. Uh, Eventually, it has to. mm -hmm. It's kind of, yeah. And eventually, Bayou is $450 million in the negative. Oh. This was the largest Ponzi scheme ever perpetrated. That is until Bernie Madoff said, hold my beer a few months later. (laughs) Uh, Interestingly enough, uh, this guy and Bernie actually uh, went to the same prison together. Oh, really? Yeah. He was like, oh, you just had to one-up me. Yeah. (laughs) Same prison. I can't even be the biggest fucking Ponzi scheme in in one prison. I got to be number two even in just this prison. Exactly. He he only held that record for three months (laughs) before Bernie came in and (laughs) just blasted it. (laughs) (laughs) In 2006, Sam files for bankruptcy. He walks into the FBI office and turns himself in. He pleads guilty to fraud and is initially told by both the prosecution and his counsel that they expect a seven to eight year prison sentence. However, on the day of the trial, everyone walks in and Sam sees that it's a different judge than they were expecting. Long story short, this new judge slaps Sam with a 20 year prison sentence. He claims that he built relationships with the FBI agents in his case, and when he approaches the bench after sentencing, supposedly, one of the FBI agents leans over and goes, I've got two words for you, Costa Rica. (laughs) By now, it's 2008, and Sam has three months of freedom before he has to show up for his prison sentence. He's completely out of ideas. That is, until he watches R.V., you know, the Robin Williams movie about the family driving across the country? No. You yeah. haven't seen it? Yeah, I know I have. Oh, okay. It, it, yeah, it, you just hit a core memory. I, I forgot that that movie existed until this exact moment. <laughs> yeah. Yep. That was a weird movie. That was like, I was super into Robin Williams at that time, and it was just like, it was weird. Who isn't into Robin Williams? I mean, Everyone should be. He is very hairy. Or he was. <laughs> was. Rip. Was very hairy. If you're not getting your life advice from family comedies starring Robin Williams, what the hell are you even doing with your life? (laughs) This is where he hatches his idea to disappear in a motorhome. At this point, he's not allowed to trade anything on Wall Street for pretty obvious reasons. Right. uh, But he manages to charm his way into convincing a friend to let him use the friend's capital for a quick investment, and then they plan on splitting the profits. Um... 
Apparently, the stars align, and over the course of a few days, Sam earns enough from day trading to pay cash for a motorhome. Fuck. So apparently, he had some skill. Yeah, damn. <laughs> Why didn't he do that for two years? Right. Just make ridiculous profits. It's also a testament, though, to how charming he was that a friend would let him trade after he was $400 million in debt. Right. Uh, and I listened to a couple interviews of this guy, and... I can see him being able to schmooze people. He just sounds like one of those guys that you can't help but like. Like, even if you know that he's done some bad shit, like, you still have to (laughs) enjoy talking to him. You just start imagining yourself being held in his strong arms. Yes. As he gently caresses your gap tooth. Tenderly. (laughs) With his My gap tooth? Your gap tooth, yeah. The the gap, by definition, is a lack of teeth. (laughs) (laughs) It's the ghost tooth. It's the The ghost ghost. It's where a tooth could be. (laughs) But how is one to escape to one's motorhome without being followed, you may ask? You pretend to off yourself, obviously. (laughs) Obviously. Sam decides that the easiest suicide to fake would be jumping off a bridge. He researches bridges in the area and lands on one that he thinks is high enough to potentially kill someone from a fall, but not so high as to guarantee it. He has a friend drive out to the bridge with his motorhome. His plan is to leap from the bridge, try to survive, and then drive off into the sunset. <laughs> now, I mean, just flawless. If Robin Williams can do it, so can you. Uh, <laughs> Now, I get why he wanted to fake his death. I really do. Um, Because at this point, well, he knew that this would essentially be a life sentence. He was getting 20 years in his mid-40s. Like, Mm -hmm. you're... Now, once you're 60, you're pretty much dead. You're dead. Just give up. Just fucking just give up. If you are over 60 and listening to this, other than my dad, I adore you. Uh, But uh, if you're over 60, (laughs) not worth it. (laughs) (laughs) This show's going to be in multiple... <laughs> suicide letters oh, at an no. old folks home. Oh, like, no. If we ever go viral in old folks community, uh, it's just that's why. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but why would he feel the need to actually jump? No one sees him on the bridge, so I see absolutely no reason for him to actually want to jump off the bridge. Um, Sam didn't want his family to suffer with thinking that he'd committed suicide, so he tells his mom, son, and girlfriend of his plan. (laughs) While it was considerate of him to tell them, this would wind up being his downfall. Duh. Yeah. (laughs) So, anyway, Sam drives his vehicle out to his bridge of choice, parks his car, and writes, quote, Suicide is painless in the dust of the hood. Um, I wasn't familiar with this phrase, but it turns out that this is actually the title of the theme song for the hit TV show MASH. Yeah. Yeah. Suicide is painless. It was written by the son of, I don't know if it's the director or the producer of MASH. Like, oh, really? Yeah. And it yeah, brings on many changes. Yeah. It's so, Song's well, dope. yes, it does bring on many changes. <laughs> That's dark, though, for a war TV show. I mean, I like. there's like that scene in MASH where they're, have you ever watched a lot of MASH? I oh, mean, yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. Do you see the one where. My grandpa, like any grandparent, watched a lot of MASH. So. Same. Yep. I mean, that's how I, that's I, where watched, I watched it. it. But, uh, and my dad was the hairstylist on MASH. When I, when oh, he really? Was, yeah, when I was not yet. I was just a. 
a little itch in his testy at that point. So one, one testy? This was like, a, si- a single one? I mean, probably. Like, <laughs> you it haven't has checked? It come from somewhere. I don't Next know. Next time you see your dad, ask him to just pop those uh, pants cojones out so he can see, so you can see whether there's one or two. I mean, you first. <laughs> Take my balls out to show you or ask your dad? Ask your dad. Ask my dad. Yeah. I mean, he listens to the show sometimes, right? I think so. So, I mean, here's, here it is. What's your dad's name? Steve? Steve. Steve, I fucking knew it. Hey, Steve, <laughs> just uh, go ahead and take a picture. Yep. Uh, send it on over to Reese. Uh, we'll put it right up on Instagram. We'll put it on Instagram. <laughs> Fuck. Boy, we've, we had <laughs> something taken regret? down pretty quick uh, for <laughs> violating the policies on TikTok. Uh, I think that would probably get taken down even faster. <laughs> now, I haven't come across many suicide notes, but... I feel like this is a really weak attempt at one. Right. I mean, a single song quote, that's that's it? Come on. Uh, well, and all it takes is a little breeze, and the dust clears off, and light you drizzle. haven't left a note. Right, right. <laughs> so Sam leaps from the bridge, lands in a net that had been put up for construction purposes, and then makes his way down to his RV waiting at the bottom. He takes off and starts to tour the country, completely off the grid. No phone, no internet, nothing. Uh, Things seem to be going swimmingly for him until he decides to go to a local bar. He looks up at the TV and sees his face on America's Most Wanted. (laughs) The news also said that the FBI was charging both Sam's mom and his girlfriend and waving long prison sentences in their faces to get them to tell where Sam was hiding out. Sam decides that he doesn't want his family to suffer more for his mistakes, so he decides to turn himself in. Unbeknownst to Sam, the FBI had been flat-out lying about charging his family, all in an attempt to get Sam to turn himself in. (laughs) And it worked. He drives to the nearest police station to turn himself in. They were closed for the day. So he goes to the next town over, smokes a cigarette in the parking lot, knowing it would be his last for a long time, and walks through the doors. At this point, it kind of turns into a comedy of errors. Sam tells the officer that he wants to turn himself in, and the officer just keeps glancing up and saying, bathroom is to your left, you're welcome to use it. Like, he kept saying, in the interview that I listened to, he kept saying, my name is Sam and I need to turn myself in. And the guy just kept, would not look up, refused to look up, and just kept saying, bathroom's over there. I've committed crimes. I need to turn myself in. Okay. Nope. Bathroom's over there. Go for it. He just did not want to do that paperwork. Not even a little bit. He's like, I have no interest in doing any of this fucking paperwork. (laughs) I'm off in 15. Yep. Just fucking go take a shit. And then by the time you get back, I'll switch shifts. That guy was just done for the day. Yep. Why don't we close down at five like the next town over? (laughs) They go back and forth several times before the officer finally understands that he wants to turn himself in. He sits down with an officer and tells them, please don't tell the press I'm here. The officer's like, okay, sure, whatever you say. And uh, he looks Sam up in the system and goes, holy shit. (laughs) Sam gets an extra two and a half years tacked onto his prison sentence, and he's still in prison to this day. Mm. Um, So tell me, Travis, have you ever fallen for a scam? I don't know if I've... Fallen for a scam per se. Um, 
you know, I grew up in the period where you had to like you never believed anything on the internet. Like, yeah, like it was like drilled into us like yes. super hard. So I feel like I'm more vigilant. Um, I've definitely given money to people that went back into like uh, a goddamn 2020. Ford F-150 mm-hmm. after I've given them, like, fucking 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah. And, yep. like, I've definitely fallen for that. But mm-hmm. I've never, I don't think, I was always, like, hyper aware yeah. of scams. I mean, that whole, like, millennial mm-hmm. time frame where we grew up with the emergence of the internet. And yep. It was vilified for so long. Yep. And it wasn't accepted like mm-hmm. it is now. But. Yeah. See, for me, it wasn't necessarily a scam, but the closest uh, that I could think of right off the bat was, um, when I was in high school, right after high school, somewhere in there, um, (laughs) I was sitting on the couch eating chips. I had Dorito crumbs all over my (laughs) giant gut and, uh, I'm sitting there and, uh, an infomercial comes on for one of those exercise balls. And, I should have known that it maybe wasn't the most effective workout routine because it was the standard, you know, guy in front leading it Mm -hmm. and then a bunch of very fit women behind him. And they're all (laughs) very scantily clad, which also held my attention. Mm -hmm. Um, But he was in full sweat gear, like sweatshirt, sweatpants, shoes, the only skin showing were his hands and his face. That's it. Um... (laughs) So I, I should have known something was odd at that point already. But uh, so I rush over to the phone. I'm like, oh, I got to get rid of this Dorito gut here. <laughs> so I rush over to the phone and order this. And yeah, it's one of those giant exercise balls. And it came with DVDs. And you do uh, like big balls. I love big balls. It's all up in your grill. Especially if they're bouncy. Mm. I prefer to sit on them. <laughs> uh, but... So I order it, and I think I used it two or three times, almost killed myself both times, and uh, (laughs) like, no, I'm done. And uh, You'd be a terrible power bottom. (laughs) (laughs) It's too much work. Too much work. I just like to lay there. You just dead fish it. Yep. Yep. And you're a lame lay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? That was a rough story. I think we probably need some good news. What do you think? Good news time. Let's do it. Good news, everyone. Well, that's not so horrible. Good news. I'm going off the dome because I I left uh, all my notes on the printer. So we're going off the dome with this. Uh, So in now 11 state parks across the country, mostly like uh, Georgia. There's a few in South Dakota. um, And they are having... uh, all-terrain wheelchairs available for rental. Really? Yeah, so you can... So people who uh, aren't able to traverse uh, these beautiful state parks. Yeah. You know, we're Montana. We have lots of state parks. You know, Glacier, we have Yellowstone. Right. And uh, they don't have them there yet, um, but in the Black Hills, Mm -hmm. uh, they have these all-terrain, like, the goddamn Jeep of wheelchairs that are available for rent. And I mean, and you look at them, they have like tank tracks and they do, they'll like, they'll go over some shit. You said tank tracks. That yeah, is like, not what I heard. I heard taint tracks. Oh, I mean. And I was trying to figure out what a taint track was. <laughs> taint the front tire, taint the back tire. 
<laughs> All right, so, <laughs> so that's yeah, that's pretty really dope, right? Like that's super cool. So, so I've seen some of those, and they're expensive. So that's mm-hmm. awesome that they're renting them out because yeah, an eleven. Yeah, and there's gonna be more. I mean, it's been since like 2016 was the when the first one okay. was available at, yeah. at the first state park. Yeah, but yeah, then and uh, they're kind of spreading. You know, okay, it's uh, eleven state parks now. That's cool. So I've seen national uh, parks. A few say. people go out hunting with those things. Mm-hmm. Um, people that, uh, either had hunted and then got injured or something, um, and, uh, love the outdoors and it's crazy where those things can go. Yeah. It's just wild. Yeah. For rent now. Yeah. That's super cool. Yeah. So if you're in that situation, you want to go explore, I mean, there's options. If one of my bad decisions inevitably winds up to my legs no longer working, I have alternatives. You got alternatives. (laughs) You're good. Well, you can not catch fish <laughs> anywhere. <laughs> anywhere. I cannot catch fish no matter where I go. <laughs> well, that wraps up this week's episode of Well, That's Horrible. Please like, rate, and subscribe wherever you're listening. Um, I also want to thank our first Patreon subscriber, Steve Holly. Uh, and yes, that's my dad. Uh, he signed up. Steve! <laughs> the, the man is great. Within minutes of getting our Patreon online... Uh, he was already signed up. So, yeah, he's awesome. Let's see. My dad doesn't love me. <laughs> I'm aware. <laughs> so, he's I mean, not going to be He's not gonna that, be on there. It's that face. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it is a very unlovable face. <laughs> it's a really bad decision that we decided to film, like get this on video, because, I mean, I have a face for it, radio. So. It's better for my health, though, because I used to be 400 pounds, and I never feel like eating when you're in the room. <laughs> so I've lost so much weight. Uh, all right, guys. Always remember to avoid getting yourself hundreds of millions of dollars in debt. And always remember to make the world a little less horrible. Well, 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 that's horrible. Oh, that's why I am stupid. (laughs) The first step is accepting it, really. Okay, now we got it. I was taking pictures of myself. (laughs) Why are there photos showing up? Okay.